Yes, God. Yes. 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 Thank you, Father. Now we're going to do something. I'm going to say something like he's good and you're going to say that's my God it's going to be like I'm going to now say something else and you're going to say that's my God everybody on board all right he's good he's merciful he's full of kindness his love never ends he's faithful He's gentle. He's strong. He's holy. There's no one like him. There will be no one like him. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's always true. He is the light. He is the door. He is the way. He is the truth. He is Jesus. Hallelujah. Lift up a hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You can be seated. Thank you, God. <laughs> Woo. That's good stuff. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. And as you're turning there, I'm going to share, uh, start off a little bit about share about a meeting I was a part of this past week, and uh, that was really awesome. So this past Thursday, we had about 20 pastors gather together for about four hours, uh, white and black pastors, and we, um, Benjamin, how many of y'all been with us when we went to Hill Chapel? Benjamin Letts, the pastor over there. We had Lloyd Craft, who's pastor of the light in Rock Springs. Uh, Charlie Maddox is another uh, minister who's part of Hill Chapel, but he's, he's like an interim pastor at another church somewhere. And then uh, these are all the, the black pastors. And then we had uh, another man named Ricky Smith, who actually pastors a church in Bishop called Brown's, Brown's Chapel, which is right down the road from us. If, and... Uh, and uh, he's a young buck, too, man. He's a few years younger than me. And, but uh, we just had this time of where we prayed together. And then we asked, as the white pastors, we asked the black pastors, we said, listen, we just want to know, we, we need to know your perspective. And, and so we even, so for them to even share in that setting, I mean, first of all, based the history they've experienced. And then also they're still in an, a room where it has more white pastors and black pastors. And so I was, we're just like, listen, we just want, this is a safe place. And even share about any apprehensions you have about sharing with a bunch of white pastors. You know, you can start off there. Um, and so it was, uh, it was an amazing meeting. Um, Lloyd Kraft started off and he said, you know, he had gone down to Florida on a trip with uh, Bill Carrington, who's pastor of St. James United Methodist, and Steve Smith, who's over Athens Prayer Network, and uh, David Wofford, who's pastor of Young Harris United Methodist Church. They actually went down to this Bill Johnson conference and uh, down in Orlando, and, and Lloyd was with them. And Bill was driving, Bill Carrington, and he's a white pastor, and Bill was going 65 and a 55, and they passed a cop, and Lloyd said he went like this. He looked at all, you know, everybody in the car, he was the only black guy in there. And he, he said, 
Or y'all, you just passed the cop going 65. And Bill was like, yeah. And he said it just, it was one of those times where he said, you know, if he's, the, any, if he's just over the speed limit, he's, he's been pulled over. Now, this is, I'm not coming against police officers. We need police officers, all right? I'm just saying this is their experience, all right? So we're hearing it from his perspective. Ricky Smith was on his way to church one morning, and he uh, passed a lady who was going slow. was on a two-lane country road coming from Winterville towards Bishop. And uh, when he got into Watkinsville, a sheriff pulled him over, and then two more cars arrived, and then four more car, police cars arrived. And he had seven police cars that had pulled him over. And then a man in a, in a red truck that had flashing lights, who was apparently, I guess, you know, some kind of law enforcement guy, was talking to Ricky. And he said, hey, have we met before? And Ricky, they connected the dots. And Ricky's uh, brother-in-law is like a former Georgia player. And so they let him off because he knew somebody. Now, this is not the case for every police officer. This is, I'm just saying, I'm telling you what they've told us, all right? And so Ricky was really upset because he really was, he was within the law of what, when he, even when he passed the woman and she had called her husband because she had gotten scared because somebody had passed her on this road and called the police, and they, they marked his car and then and pulled him over. And so, Rick, and then Ricky said he had to go preach a message on forgiveness that morning. Uh, Benjamin Lett, who's only 61, 62, you know, he, he talks about, you know, he had two family members lynched. He's from Alabama and killed. And, and, when he was 20, he was in Alabama. Sheriff was behind him, put, and he was on the interstate, and he, just is, he was in the middle of no man's land, and he said he just kept going until he got to an exit because he, just, he wanted there to be people around in case what, what would happen whenever the, the guy got out of the car, the sheriff pulled him over. And so um, he, put, he got off on the next exit, and he got arrested, he got put in jail overnight because he didn't pull over immediately. But it was because of a, of a fear of there not being any witnesses, there not being any accountability or whatnot. And so, and then Ricky, he said something that uh, it struck a, a light, I don't know if you call it a light bulb, but it struck something in me that made me want to, it was like a prayer point. I'm like, God, we're going after this. We're going after this. He said, whenever people, <clears throat> you know, we talk about the violence on the black community in particular. And then if somebody talks about black on black crime being the gr even greater, what Ricky said, he's like, it's not as much black on black as it is poverty on poverty. And when you, if you go to Hong Kong, in the slums of Hong Kong, you're going to find the same thing. If you go to the slums of England, you're going to find the same thing. You go to Kenya, same thing. You go to wherever. Because in those areas, there's two dogs and one bone. And I know that Jesus, it says that the kingdom of heaven, there's no lack. That he gives you everything you need for life and godliness. And so prosperity, we, all, we always live from the inside out. And so the, the first order of business is, is Jesus in those neighborhoods. But it, even what can come th into those neighborhoods is just a different system. We need different systems to provide opportunity, to provide a way out. And I think that, that Christians have the answers, but we, we've got, we can't. Um, we can't do it business as usual because it hasn't been working. And so it's not necessarily up to the pastors because we're on, we're on this church mountain. 
So it's part of my part of my heart is I want to provoke some of you to come up with some some answers to the to to change systems to get into the government to get into the neighborhoods whatever it is to to be able to change these things and and the first thing that you can do if you have a friend that's black is just listen is just listen and that's what I asked Benjamin. I was like, Benjamin, I was like, what's, I was like, what's the one thing I can do? He said, you know, it just starts with just listening. And so, and, just, and not having an agenda, not being, you know, not trying to make them think even the way you want them to think or the way you think. And so it was, uh, it was really good. It was really hopeful. But I just, you don't, you really don't know until you, you hear the stories, you've been at, you've take a little bit of a step in their shoes just by the stories they tell you and realize that it is, it is different. And um, at the same time, it's, it's, uh, we wanna come along and we wanna, we wanna help. And, and Benjamin, these black pastors, I just appreciated their, their courage, their willingness. Lloyd Craft, Charlie, they're older. They said, you know, we've been doing, we've been having meet and greets for 30 years. We don't want any more pats on the back, and we don't want any more eat and greets. We want to actually do something. And I was like, I'm right there with you. I don't like to, I'm an introvert. That wastes my energy. I've got, I've only got a certain amount of people energy. So when we do people stuff, let's get some work done, you know. So it's, um, you extroverts out there, you have a party and you feel energized, you know, but I love parties, but I just need a couple of days to recover. All right. All right. So I want us to, uh, I want us to pray into that right now. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in Athens, God. And I just pray, Father, that you show us, Lord, you want to prosper Athens. You said, I know the plans I have for you, plans for a hope in the future plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Lord, that promise is for Athens. Lord, you've got plans to prosper Athens. For Lord, so Lord, I pray that the kingdom of heaven, the gospel, which brings prosperity of spirit, prosperity of heart, and all the outside fruit comes from that, God, that that would happen, that that would be released. Loose your kingdom upon your city right now, or loose it upon the low-income areas, Father, uh, Rock Springs, Nellie B, Father, the, any other low-income areas, Father, I'm not mentioning. Lord, just loose your kingdom upon them. And we, Lord, we, we thank you for our black brothers and sisters. We thank you for the black church, Lord. We are incomplete without them. And we bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So Matthew chapter 11. And... What I'm looking for, what's, what provoked me, has, how many of y'all ever seen the transformation videos that were, uh, they're made in the early 90s? It's like, if you put that, it's not produced by Bethel, because it's like, you feel like you're watching, a, when you're in ninth grade, you're watching a physical science video. It's like, in Almonga, Guatemala. They saw God move. And so you're just, you know, that's the kind of narr narration. And you're, but it's so powerful because it's like, oh, my gosh, this is like one of the most powerful things that's ever happened. So don't get lost in the production because it's old. But what happened is God, revival broke out in this city of, in Guatemala. People were depressed. They were, it was uh, struggling with poverty. And they were getting into drugs and other things. And you had this remnant of people in the city that began praying. And God came in. And basically the whole city was saved. But this is what also happened. You remember Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It says, if my people will pray, turn from their wicked ways, I will come and do what? Heal their land. Now, he's not just, this is, that's not symbolism. He's saying, I will heal the land. So what happened in Al Almanga is a farming community or a city. So the, the time that they would raise beets would take, the harvest time would be 60 days. When God came in, it went down to 40, and then it went down to 25 days. 
So they would actually start getting three harvests in the time in the past it took to get one harvest. That's what I think it's Amos that says the plowman overtakes the reaper because there's just it's so much harvest. So that, and then they were growing carrots the size of my forearm and they tasted good. I've had some mutant cucumbers and mutant zucchini and they didn't taste too good. But this, this carrots the size of my forearm and so it, they sell it by weight. And so, I mean, they're getting harvest of carrots this big three times in one harvest season. And it's the same for everything. The beets, the pump, uh, pumpkins, they had all kinds of stuff. Every lettuce, I mean, it was just supernaturally big. And, they, and, they, and God would tell the farmers how to plant. And it went against all the scientific methods. And they would have three times the harvest of the scientific methods. And so the whole city started to prosper. They were paying for a transport truck, Mercedes transport trucks in cash, and they'd put Jesus saves on the front. Every other city would celebrate the Day of the Dead, and they'd have a big worship uh, party in the middle of the city where everybody came to the city and worshiped Jesus because he's not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. And so I'm, I'm like, yes, God. You, you can bring prosperity. You, can bring, you have the solutions. It says, I was reading this morning, it says wisdom is stored up for his godly ones. So there's wisdom that God is waiting to release to us that has the answers to these problems. It's stored up. It says you will get, you, you will get wisdom when you, when you seek it. The Lord of the flies is trying to torment me. <laughs> get behind me, Satan. I will snatch you out of the air. <laughs> All right. Look at verse 16 in Matthew chapter 11. So the last time I preached on Matthew 11 a couple weeks ago, I was talking about our expectations. And I, I kind of want to pick up on really how to bring our expectations to death. All right. Verse 16, it says, But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces who call out to other children and say, We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. And so you have this picture of one, one part is, hey, let's play, let's play the flute. You know, it's happy music, happy music, happy music. We, oh, oh, that didn't work? Okay, let's play the dirge. Mourning, oh, weeping and wailing. And it says, but they're like, Jesus, you didn't dance when we played the flute, and you didn't mourn when we played the dirge. And what they're saying is, is Jesus, you don't fit inside my box. Because they, you cannot stuff Jesus into your paradigm. Because when he does a new thing, it's not going to fit. The new thing, so sometimes we try to, we have systems, we have programs, we have boxes, we have paradigms, whatever you want to call it, and we try to stuff Jesus in there. But what he does is he does a new thing, and he says, build a system around this, about, around what I'm doing. So that's why church is both a structure and an organism, because it changes. It moves with God. But we don't, but where the church has gotten wrong in the past, and it's, it's, it's so easy because it's in the carnal nature where you want that form, that you want a formula, you want something that you know, you can control, all that kind of stuff. But what the church has done in the past is we try to stuff Jesus into the paradigm. We're like, man, God moved in this paradigm because he's done that, because he did a new thing 30 years ago at the time, and we, they built a system around that, and it was wonderful. And so that must be the way, the only way God moves, right? No. He moves a billion different ways, infinite ways. And so when he's doing a new thing and he reveals what that thing is, 
then we build around that. We build around the presence. All right? And then even with that, God still looked at David and said, are you going to make me a house for me to live in? Don't you know I'm the creator of heaven and earth? I don't live in houses. But I'll honor you. I'll honor that house. <laughs> because I know your heart, David. Isn't that kind of God? Isn't he awesome to do that? He's like, listen, you can't contain me. But I know you you're really want what's in my heart. So, yeah, I'll, I can work with that. So we never ever going to box him up. He's your undomesticated divinity. You cannot castrate God. If that's, I don't know if that's too much information or whatnot. But. So, we, uh, so you, when you have an, an old wineskin, is built around old wine. So in the past, God's had, he's poured out wine. He's, poured, he's had moves of his, of his spirit. And, we, and, and at the time, there was new wineskins that the church put around that. But that old wineskin, when he does a new thing, when he pours out new wine, what's going to happen to the old wineskin? It's going to burst. So the new wineskin has to come with the new wine. And sometimes that's where we're like trying to, God's moving, we're trying to figure out what's the new wineskin <laughs> because the old thing's not working. Like it's, it's not, it's, we don't know. And so it's like you're trying to find a wineskin to hold that new wine. And so we need to be like Nicodemus. So the Pharisees are the ones that are like, listen, we, you know, we, we, we played the flute for you and we did the dirge and you're, and you're still not cooperating. Now, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, but what did Nicodemus do in John chapter 3? He started asking Jesus questions. And sometimes, that's all we, God's asking us to do. It's like, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? I don't, under, I don't know what's going on. And, and because Nicodemus had this expectation, just like every other Pharisee, the Messiah was going to come. He was going to be like King David. He was going to rule, literally rule on the throne, knock the Roman Empire out of there, be a benevolent king that was just and righteous, and even, you know, even better than David. And there was going to be peace all around him whenever David handed it off to Solomon like he did to his son. So they... So they're imagine, this is what they're, they're imagining, and then they hear Jesus pro being proclaimed as the Messiah. It's like, they, he looks more like Elijah. Or is, but he's, when's he going to take over the government? And so, but Nicodemus came, and he's like, okay, tell me. And Jesus said, listen, Nicodemus, you got to be born again. He's like, what? I can't, I can't enter my mother's womb again, can I? He's like, no, you need to be born of the Spirit. This is the new kingdom. And so in that moment, Nicodemus' paradigm is shifting. Born of the Spirit. And so this is, this is really what God is doing in our midst. And so our expectations have to die. Now, how many of y'all were here two weeks ago before... Bob and Kimberly, we, we repented of expectations, okay, or judgments of, that we've made against the church, whether it's traditional church, charismatic church, whatever it was. So I had a, uh, for three months up prior to two Sundays ago, I had this, it was like a cyst type thing that was forming in the corner of my eye, right here on the inside of my eye, and it would feel like sand in my eye sometimes. And it was hard. It wasn't like a pimple or anything. It was this hard white dot that was hard. Did I mention it was hard? And, um, and so last, last Sunday, I repented for my, my judgments I made against the charismatic church for, I guess you, in a nutshell, 
there's not being transformation behind the encounter in some people. I lumped everybody together, and that was where the sin was. And so I woke up Monday morning. I got a big fro in the morning, and so I was putting water in my hair. This is, this, I don't wake up like this, people. All right, this takes work. And so she saw me painting my house one day, and she went, whoa, what's that? And I was like, this is dry hair. And so, so I was wetting my hair and washing my face, and I was doing this, and I can feel it. You know, I normally can feel that bump in the corner of my eye. And I was like, looked in the mirror. The bump was gone. And I went, Jesus. And the Lord said, you removed the speck out of your eye. I was like, come on, Jesus. Now, I've been praying for the Lord to remove that speck. But it took repentance to get it out of there. There's some things in your life that only, maybe you got to forgive somebody. Or maybe you need to repent for wronging somebody or having a judgment or whatever it is. There's only, this is the thing about judgments. You're very small. You're very finite. You're very, your brain is, is like this compared to God. He is the only righteous one says his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. He loves the way he made us, but we're, we're just not God. We're never going to be God. That's why he's holy. And we get to enjoy him forever, and we always discover new things about him, and even in heaven. So, whenever I, so, all right, turn to Luke 6 real quick. I want to read this. Luke 6, verse 41. It says, Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? I'm just thankful I didn't have a log in my eye. The Lord said I had a speck. Praise God. So, verse 42. How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take out the log of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. So it's saying it is hypocrisy when we judge like that, when we judge without understanding. And it can literally manifest in your body. And so in James, it says that heavenly wisdom is pure, peaceable, full of mercy, good fruits, without hypocrisy, and a few other things after that, but it says it's without hypocrisy, it's wisdom. So we want heavenly wisdom that is without hypocrisy. That's the kind of wisdom, and it says, and and, and you read just, how many of y'all sometimes read the proverb that coincides with the calendar day like today you read proverbs 2 or something like that i do that quite often first two these two chapters that i've read the the main thing that stands out to me is like here listen take heed listen here take heed listen here take heed listen here take heed and that's it's it's establishing the foundation of wisdom. So what is the foundation of wisdom? Hear, listen, take heed. Hear, listen, take heed. You listen to the one who has wisdom. There's only one. And it says it's better a man who is wise in his own eyes, there's more hope for a fool than for him. Proverbs 26, 12. A man who is wise in his own eyes, there's more hope for a fool than for him. And so 
anything that when you feel like a judgment or a jealousy and envy, anything like that that rises up and makes you want to judge, an anger, a bitterness, you take it to the Lord and like, Lord, what's your thoughts about this? What do you think about this? And you can even just choose not to judge, even if it's painful. You're just like, Lord, I just make a choice not to judge. Because you made a choice in faith. It's just like if I pray for Brian, I'm making a choice to pray for Brian. It's an act of faith. When I choose to forgive somebody, and I, I keep forgiving, it's not a one-and-done thing. If I, I, I keep forgiving until that thing is complete in my heart, and there's no bitterness anymore, and I can look at somebody and just be like, man, I love them. Or I look at an issue, and I don't, it's, it doesn't just yank me and yank my emotions to where I can't think straight. Because it says in Isaiah 35, it says the highway of holiness is like this. Straight. And up and down, you're straight, you're on a path, face like flint, listening to the Lord. It doesn't mean you don't have emotions. Your emo- it just means your emotions don't rule you. You let the, the, the spirit of God, his voice rules you. I love emotion. I get fired up. I mean, I, I went to the Georgia game yesterday. They're playing a hype video. I just felt my warrior man manifesting. I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm in the stands. I'm not, I'm not out on the field. We need, we need church hype videos like that. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what, what, would that look, what would that look like? It was some guy doing this. <laughs> Read. All right. Back to Jesus. All right, so turn back to Matthew... Chapter 11, and then actually we're, we're going to repent for hypocrisy. So y'all just, y'all just agree with me if you want to in your heart. But it's, Father, I just repent for hypocrisy, God, for not having heavenly wisdom, for being ruled by uh, the Lord. Your, your word says don't be tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine, by deceitful scheming of man. So, Lord, we want to be rock steady like Jesus. Make us like the rock of Gibraltar. Make us like the rock that has water flow out of it. Just like Jesus. Forgive us for our hypocrisy. We repent, God. Bring our hypocrisy to death on the cross. And Lord, we want to be like Jesus in Isaiah 11 with the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord is upon us. And it says of Jesus that he does not judge by what his eyes see nor make decisions by what his ears hear, but he delights himself in the fear of the Lord. So, Lord, we want to delight ourselves in the fear of the Lord and not make decisions by what our ears hear but what our carnal eyes see, Father, but we want to make it based upon the voice of God. Give us listening ears, a listening heart like Solomon prayed for. Give us wisdom, supernatural wisdom, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Verses 20 through 24 says, Then he began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles were done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago and sat cloth and ashes. Nevertheless, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will descend to Hades, for if the miracles that occurred in Sodom which occurred in you, it would have remained to this day. Nevertheless, I say to you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. And so, there's... God responds to you the way you respond to him. There's a psalm that says to the crooked, you show yourself crooked to the straight, you show yourself straight to the righteous, you show yourself righteous. And what it's talking about is you have a filter. You have a filter of what God looks like. And and, And right here where he's declaring the woes, 
These are stiff consequences. They're stiff, but they're for stiff-necked people. Stiff consequences for stiff-necked people. When you are teachable, you're moldable, you're flexible, he doesn't have to come that way. When you have a listening ear, he doesn't have to come like that. But if you're going to do it your way, if you're going to do it in rebellion, he's a loving father, so he'll wake you up. It's not that he wishes. I, I, it's, as a parent, it's not fun to give your child a spanking. You do not want to do that. This is no fun. We try everything. That's the absolute last resort. Because everybody's, it just is heavy for everybody. God's, if I, if I feel that way, that, then how much does God feel that way? He doesn't want to come. It's like Stuart said earlier, his kindness brings us to repentance if we'll have it. But do not be, do not be stiff-necked. Be flexible, moldable, teachable. Verse 25 through 27 said that at that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants like trip. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So Tripp this morning was up here worshiping, and he, he was looking at the lights. He was like, he went, and then he fell on his bottom. Anybody see that? I was like, what a picture. Let's get lost in worship. And fall on our bottoms and fall back in the glory. Jesus. And then he was up there. Reverse dab. Whatever we want to call that. The trip. Yeah, that's the trip, baby. And uh, he's worshiping. And then he's like, oh, there's crayon. How about that? Oh, that's about to worship. I love that. No shame. Sometimes we're like, oh, God, I, I got distracted. Let's come back. <laughs> You're trying to, like, listen to the Lord in your quiet time. Like, oh, I'm thinking about school. Or I'm thinking about this. Let's come back. That's like, God's not like, man, listen, you can't make your mind a blank slate right now. This is a little free tip. Whenever you start getting distracted in your mind, just like, Lord, I thank you that I've got this project due, and then, you're, Lord, you're going to provide for it. You just start giving thanks for the solution to whatever it is that's popping in your mind. Or you start thinking about, you know, maybe your kids at school or something. You're like, God, thank you for, thank you for my children. Bless them at school. And you just involve God in the thought. Verses 25 through 27. Whoops, 28 through 30, not 25 through 27. It says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, this picture is, this is a famous scripture that a lot of people, we've heard probably many times before. But Jesus is painting this picture of, you getting rid of a heavy yoke and you taking his yoke that's light and easy. Now, in that day, yokes were, you came in pairs. There's a pair of oxen. It could have been, I don't think they had uh, horses back in that day in Israel, but even if it was uh, mules or donkeys, you would, do, you would do it in pairs. And normally what they did was they put an older oxen with a younger one. So the, the older one would teach the younger one. But the, but the older one had to bear most of the weight they had because they would be going one way and the, the young one would turn and they'd have to correct them to be like, you know, they'd have to, it was more work to correct the younger one because they would have to resist whatever they were trying to do and keep him in a straight line. 
And so Jesus, he's saying this. He's like, come, take my yoke. I'm the older brother. I'm the older brother. I want to teach you. Come and learn from me. So there's times where we're going to be like, no, Jesus, look, this looks really good over here. He's like, no. And they would put, it was either like, you know, you put a, your head through the hole or there was, but back in that day, it was a bar that was strapped to the, that went across both the oxen, was strapped to the oxen. And they just having to correct the young ones that, no, no, it's this way. It's this way. I know that looks really good over there, but it's this way. And Jesus is giving, and he says, I am, come to me because I'm gentle and humble of heart. Jesus never asks you to do anything that he hasn't first done himself. He asks you to take up your cross because he first took up his cross. He asks you to be humble because he first humbled himself. He emptied himself of, every, of the virtues of a supernatural God and became like a man. And, and he came in the form of a servant even and became obedient even to the point of death. And it says, for that reason, God gave him the name. That is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord because he emptied himself and he became obedient to the point of death. So anything Jesus asks of you, he's already done it. That's why it says he's been tempted with what you've been tempted with. That doesn't necessarily say that all these vices that Jesus had to resist. It says he knows what you have to do. He, can, he understands what it's like to take up the cross. He understands what it's like to die to personal comfort and your, your own agenda, whatever it is. Because even Jesus in the garden said, Father, if this cup can pass, that'd be awesome. But if not, your will be done. And so this is what he, he's inviting us to. And that word for easy says, my yoke is easy, that... It means, it really is, can be translated good and pleasant. Yokes typically are burdens. They're heavy. They symbolize affliction. They symbolize burdens, oppression, addiction, whatever you want to call it. But Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. It's, it's actually good and pleasant. It's like, it's going to be pleasant. And, Je and following Jesus is not all death. It's not all cold-blooded obedience, as I call it. It says, in his presence are pleasures forevermore. Because once you get in the presence, how many times have you been in the presence and you're just like, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave. We, know, we, have, we have friends that have died and gone, in, gone to heaven and come back. And when they're in, one friend in particular, when they're in heaven said, Jesus told him, I got to send you back. And they went, no, don't send me back. They had a family, had little children. Now, what kind of pleasure is in heaven to make you not want to go back to your children on earth? You know what I'm saying? When you don't want to leave that love, what kind of love is that? And so, this is a new season. I didn't even put these, connect these dots to it right now. But Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year, is upon us. So this truly is a season of new beginnings. Uh, Jesse and Phil, y'all come on up. And yeah. he gave the Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, tonight, sundown, um, starts Rosh Hashanah, which uh, is a new year in Israel. So if you were in Israel tonight and tomorrow, you'd hear shofars being blown nonstop. Um, it's also called Yom Teruah, which is the day of the blowing, day of trumpets in Leviticus 23. So it's, it, is a, um, it is a biblical festival as well. It starts the, the, it's the first day of the 10 days of awe. So... Um, so tonight at sundown begins 10 days uh, where 
in Israel, um, it's, a, it's a really solemn time. Everyone's uh, praying that for that 10 days, like, Lord, you know, show me things I need to repent of, people I need to apologize to. It's kind of the 10 days of, like, reconciliation, repentance, um, leading up to um, uh, Yom Kippur, uh, which is the Day of Atonement, um, which in the ancient days was the one day a year the high priest could go in the Holy of Holies, make atonement for the nation of Israel. Um, so today they don't have a temple, so there's 10 days of awe, 10 days of repenting, um, leading up to Yom Kippur, which is a day of fasting. They fast for 24 hours, um, and, uh, and then five days after that starts the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the most joyous festival in the entire year. Seven days long, people camp out, they eat together, they party together for seven, eight days, actually. Um, and so it's, it's interesting, you have, and it, the day, Yom Kippur is also called the Day of Judgment, <clears throat> where... Um, they, uh, they believe that there's a, the book of life is open in heaven, the book of death is open, and you want to be written in the book of life. So they're, it's like kind of a, it's turned into kind of a performance thing. For 10 days, they're trying to like make sure they get in the book of life. Um, the, the superstition kind of around it is if they get put in the book of death, they're going to die that year. And so they're trying to get in the book of life to live another full year to the next uh, day of atonement. Um, and, uh, but Jesus... He is our atonement. So it's also a really good time if you encounter any Jewish people to um, encourage them, wish them a happy new year. Um, if you get an open door, share with them about Jesus. That there is a, I have a, a friend who used to sit outside of uh, synagogues, and um, he was, did a lot of ministry to, uh, to Jewish people, and he would ask them, like, are you going to be in the book of life? You know, and everyone would say, I don't know, I hope so. I don't know, you know, I hope, I hope, I hope I am, you know. And, um, and he'd say, well, there is a way to guarantee that you're in the book of life, you know. And um, so, yeah, um, so I brought, I brought the shofar, um, so it could blow it. And we also have some, um, so there's a traditional food that's eaten on Rosh Hashanah um, to wish. It's kind of like a, we, we want this new year to be sweet sort of thing. So they eat uh, apples and honey, and so we actually brought some apples and honey. Um, so as you guys are going out today if you guys want to try. If you, I don't know if you, I've never had apples and honey before. I like started learning about a lot of the um, Jewish roots of the faith. A- apples and honey is really good. Um, it's like super, super sweet. So if you like sweet stuff, it's kind of like healthy candy, you know. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we'll have that in the back. It, um, and as you go out, we'll have a little table with some honey and uh, apples. And um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll, you guys want me to blow the shofar? I can blow the shofar. I've kind of had this... Yeah, so Sukkot, um, Sukkot is a, yeah, so it's, it is a um, seven, eight-day festival, um, so Jesse and I are actually going to hopefully get a Sukkah set up on our back porch, and we'll do, like, meals and stuff. We might do some random stuff throughout the week, but we're going to have a big one at the Gay's house out in Farmington. Um, there'll be a big, last year we had a huge tarp. I'm not sure how we're going to set it up. We had some, some guys get out there early and set it up, um, and we had dinner. We'll talk about how Sukkot um, Sukkot is a, all the feasts are prophetic, um, and Jesus fulfills all of them. His first coming, he fulfilled all the spring feasts, and so now we're about to enter into the fall feast time, and Jesus in his second coming will fulfill all the fall feasts. Um, so we're going to be talking about that at dinner, and we're also going to do a camp out. It's a Friday night, so we'll do a camp out and have a little breakfast stuff. It's a Georgia bye week, so there's no game. Y'all don't, that's not an excuse. Us. <laughs> But we are, we are doing um, some tickets. It's all free. Um, we just got, we're going to ask that people bring a side to share. So it'll be kind of like a potluck thing. We'll provide like meat, wine, um, challah, grape juice. Um, but this is the, you can get tickets at picketick.com slash Sukkot. Jesse is going to send it out in the announcement emails. Um, but there's some more details on there about what to expect, kind of what, what it's going to look like. And, um, yeah, and the tickets are free. So it just kind of helps us get a head count who's coming, especially for the camp. There's two different tickets. There's, like, a Friday night and then a Friday night camp out. Oh. Uh, for, uh, I just totally lost my train of thought. Um, for, <clears throat> for us to get a head count for breakfast on Saturday morning, we're going to do, like, a real light kind of breakfast thing and coffee and stuff, hopefully. So, so yeah, that's, uh, that's Sukkot 2016. And, uh yeah, three weeks from now. We had a great time last year. It actually rained last year, which was, it was like, oh my goodness. Our, our, it is actually like, it's actually kind of good. The whole idea is that you live in like a temporary shelter, right? So you're kind of vulnerable to the elements. And you remember that you live in a tent, your body is a tent, and you're vulnerable 
to the elements, and you're kind of wandering right now, and like the Israelites wandered in the desert, you're in this world, and you're kind of in a tent, and you're completely trusting in God to, like, take care of your tent. So I'm giving away too much. You're going to have to come to Sukkot to hear the rest. Okay. <clears throat> um, you have anything? Shofar? Okay, I'll, I'll blow the shofar. This is bringing in a new year, also a new season, where God's doing a, he's doing a new thing, and we, we're saying, God, do whatever. We'll, we'll build around you. Also, there's like three blasts of a shofar, so you'll hear, I'll do three different things. I, haven't, I was trying this morning, Jesse was like, you need to practice some more before you do that in front of people. I was like, oh, well, you know, I kind of got stuff he knows, but there's a, the shivarim, there's like three kind of like, kind of medium blasts, and then there's uh, the tequila, which is kind of like this staccato blast, and then there's the terua, I believe it is, which is a long blast, so at the end, I'm going to try to hold it as long as I can, all right. We can yell after the... You can just yell at the end if you want, go Jericho style, if you want to do that. <laughs> after, the, after the long blast, yeah, everybody just raise a shout, that's cool. All right, so after the long blast at the end... We're going to yell Jesus at the top of our lungs, the name above every name, all right? stand up. Thank you, Lord. Woo. Look at your neighbor and say, that's good stuff. <laughs> now look at your neighbor and say, I release joy into your heart right now. Look at him again, last time, last thing. Say, be strong in joy, in Jesus' name. All right. Bless you guys. Y'all are free to go. No closing prayer on that one. And, uh, yeah, ministry team, come on up. If you need prayer for anything, physical healing, whatever else you need, we'd love to pray for you. But be blessed. We love you guys, and we'll see you next time.